Good morning City Lights, it's great to be with you again. We're on our second location which is the Al Qudra Desert. As you can see the sun is beginning to, to rise in the background. Um, we've already filmed all the other guys so it's starting to get a little bit warm. So if I start sweating profusely that's just part of part of the whole thing. So today we are obviously talking on deserts. We're carrying on this series of Lift Your Eyes. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew 4 and uh, it's, it's amazing because you actually see throughout the Bible there's different moments that, that there's deserts. And uh, I'd love to say Bruce and I got on a plane and went to the Ju Judean desert. But actually we're here in Al-Qudra, 40 minute drive outside Dubai. It's an incredible place where, you, where people go dune bashing, getting stuck in the sand, which is generally when I drove that's what would happen. Just going to film this for you. So this is the side that's stuck. I've already dug out a little bit. Um, the engine's not quite touching. It's kind of slightly above. Um, and uh, we've had some amazing camps, men's camps out in the desert, which we're going to start doing again as, as winter approaches. Uh, but deserts in, in the Bible actually have so many different meanings. And I just want to go through a few. It's, it's, it's often a time of testing. It's a time of training. You had Paul in the desert. It's a time of spiritual warfare, which is what I'm going to talk today about when Jesus was in the desert in Matthew 4. Israel wandered around the desert of Sinai for 40 years. And it's a time of them just God preparing their hearts for the promised land. Uh, desert seasons could also be seasons in your life where you feel far from God. And that's a, that's a reality. It's, it's, in Psalm 63, David writes, he says, it's a, I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And um, that's many, in many ways what deserts are. But then you have, obviously you have oases, oases. I still don't know what it is. But it's a digging, a digging deep of these wells that come up and they bring life to many. Uh, in the early tradition of the church, you had desert fathers, which really just followed what Jesus was doing in terms of they would go out into the desert with the view of being spending time with God, coming back, and they came back in power and they changed society. I think from that monastery started to happen, and that's obviously people started to isolate themselves. But the original heart of the desert fathers in the in the over almost about around 2,000 years ago was to go out into the desert, find God, and come back and change society uh, deserts create a desperation for God and I know in my life I've had deserts spiritually and you feel you do feel far from God you feel like God I can't hear you clearly but what it starts to do inside of you is it actually starts to stir stuff inside of you for for more of God so before we re get into reading of Matthew 4 and picking out a few parts because there's so much in Matthew 4 let's just pray together father we thank you Lord God that uh, that you're always with us. Your word says that your Holy Spirit is called the Parakletos, the one who walks alongside us, Father. And, and I just pray for those this morning, Lord God, who feel that they're in desert places, uh, that they feel that there may even be opposition from the enemy, which Jesus faces here in Matthew 4. I pray, Lord God, that there would just be a, a setting free this morning. Or, Lord God, if you have someone in the middle of a desert, Lord God, just would you give them peace? Would you give them hope? Just as Elijah was fed by ravens and sustained by you, Father, we pray that over people's lives this morning. Lord God, and I pray that as we walk through deserts of our own lives, Lord God, you teach us all that you need to teach us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 4 deals with a couple of things. It, it deals with resisting temptation 
and the devil. I won't go much into temptation today. We might have to keep that for another sermon series. But I'm going to talk specifically about spiritual warfare. Uh, it's also, it, it speaks about recovering what was lost. Jesus was a, a model. He was, he was Israel incarnate. He came and he, he, he was in the desert for 40 days. Israel was there for 40 years. They failed the test under God, where Jesus won the test under God. So he recovers what was lost, only not, not by Israel, but by Adam. And then also the result of going through a desert. There's always hope at the end of a desert. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I'm going to get that to that right at the end. So this is, if you're taking notes, it's, it's a good thing even if you're on your phone, just say, right, Jesus in the desert, Matthew 4. But it comes out of Matthew 3. And the amazing thing is that Jesus has this incredible high moment in Matthew 3 where he goes down into the Jordan River. His cousin, John the Baptist, baptizes him as he comes out of the water. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. There's Jesus, God from heaven, just this dove it ascends on Jesus' shoulder and it just it brings confirmation of who, who Jesus is on earth. And uh, the amazing thing that we pick up in Matthew 4 verse 1. So you have an incredible high moment and then Matthew 4 verse 1 starts. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Now that's just such a crazy thing it's you have this high moment and then you have this moment where it says he's led by the spirit to be tempted by the devil and god obviously was working out his plan that jesus was going to obviously defeat the enemy i've just given you the end of the story before we even get there but in our own lives we have to realize that sometimes off high moments that we might be going into battle in the next and we need to be alert we need to be aware we need to be hearing what what god is saying the amazing thing about this text is that the devil can test jesus but he cannot be led by the devil. And I, I honestly believe that we can only ever be led by the enemy if we start believing his lies. And, uh, and that's why I'm going to talk at, at a, 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 we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are changed by, by our minds being renewed under God. That's where I'm going to be speaking today. It says this in verse 2, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which is again Jesus reclaiming what was lost by Israel. And that's an incredible of his statements is that after 40 days of not eating I'm sure there would have been water because Jesus was completely human 100% God 100% man and here you have Jesus for me what this shows is that Jesus was operating in his humanity it wasn't he, he had constrained his divinity to operate in humanity to be led by the spirit so he can become a model for you and I as we face not only desert, desert seasons but temptation uh, opposition by the enemy and how we actually approach this it says he was hungry and another thing is that the enemy will always come at your weakest point he will come when you're hungry tired confused Six months into COVID, moms with kids at home thinking, man, I, I thought my kids were going to go to school, but they're still on an iPad at home. And you're like, I just need space to think. Some of you have lost your job. You feel loss of direction. You feel like you've been done, hard done by whatever it is. The enemy will always come and try to sow his lies and spread his lies at your low point. And what we're going to see here is that Jesus rises up even in his low point and he just says, he just begins to proclaim the word of God. So verse 3, it says that the tempter, which is the enemy, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are daily sustained by God's word. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. That would have been Jerusalem. If you are the son of God, again, if. It's the same as what the enemy said to Adam. He said, if, if, if God. It says, uh, he said, then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written. I love that. Counter, counterfeit by Jesus. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. And he says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and you worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So I want to talk a little bit about resisting the enemy. We're going to talk about resisting temptation. I'll briefly cover it, but we, that, like I said, that'll be another sermon. But the idea of spiritual warfare, I think, has gone to kind of, you have two super extremes, those who don't kind of think that it's real. You have those who kind of have an unhealthy obsession with it and it gets to like loopy places. I'm saying let's go to scripture. Let's see how Jesus not only fought the enemy, but how we are now in Christ after Jesus has died on the cross, after the resurrection, after the enemy has been defeated, how we actually stand in that place and fight. Um, C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, which to be honest, I only started, I've, so many people have spoken about this book, but I've only started reading it recently. It says, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve their in existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. And here's the thing, there's, there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to feel some form of resistance. And I can tell you as a pastor, uh, you, you sense it at different moments. You have moments where you feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in this I'm in this like battle already and I've got my foot forward and um, uh, there's, there's something, there's, there's, there's stuff that's coming against you. You can't quite explain it. Maybe it's a heaviness. Uh, and then, but how do we get ourselves out of that place? And Joel Ramsey uh, spoke a couple of weeks ago about us knowing the enemy's schemes. And can I tell you that he's got the same playbook. And uh, in, in, in sports, there's a playbook that the coach would have. Styler's dad spoke a couple of weeks about, a couple of weeks ago about this. But there's, the enemy has a playbook that he keeps using over and over. So what are the areas that he not only uses here, but throughout scripture? It's number one, it's our identity. And identity will always lead to authority, our authority. And uh, the devil says to Jesus, says, if you are the son of God. And if we can start doubting who we are in God and who he's made us to be and who God is, the enemy's already started to win in our lives. The second thing is that the, the enemy will always try to get God's identity. And he'll, he'll say, is God who he says he is? That is another area. And then finally, the enemy will always get about what you will worship. And that's idols in our life. It's temptation. And that's where he, he gets to us. He gets into the areas of our life that we hold almost higher than God. So how do we fight? If we're starting with identity, we have to just settle a few things. And I was listening to a sermon recently and this guy just said, you have to settle who's in charge. And God is in charge. In Ephesians 1, it says that Jesus is raised far above every rule and authority. And I think before we step into any form of prayer and you can feel this resistant whether it's depression oppression anxiety or there's, there's something happening that you're just not 100% sure of you have to establish almost vocally who's in charge 
And obviously that's through worship, that's through a confession, which I'm going to go through a little bit later. And, um, and, and also remembering that Ephesians, Ephesians 6 talks about our spiritual armor, and that is the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, uh, the, the, the shoes that are carrying the good news, that's your kind of offensive weapon. And uh, those are given to us in Christ. We, we can't put them on every morning, but in reality, we actually are on us already. And we need to just remind ourselves who we are in Christ, that we have the helmet of salvation, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's where the enemy will always try to get you first. There's the breastplate of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. There's the sword of the Spirit, which is, it's, uh, which is the Word of God. There's the shield of faith declarative statements about who God is, how God has made you. And one of the things that I do in, in seasons where I know that the enemy is trying to discourage me and trying to like pull me down is that I have daily confessions and I speak from scripture and you can go Google this, just Google Craig Grishel confessions, copy, paste it, put it in your notes, put it somewhere and then make it your own and just begin to uh, speak these things out into the atmosphere, confess it over your life, confess it over your family and I can tell you things begin to shift in that moment. The second thing we do is that we stand. Ephesians 6.10 it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, not in your own. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, the enemy's schemes. And later it says, when all is done, stand. James 4 verse 7, such a key verse. It says, submit yourselves to God. That's his word, who he is. Your whole being submitted to that. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now the word stand and resist in those two texts is, ex is exactly the same word. And it's the Greek word antithesomy. Okay, I probably got that 100% wrong. But it basically means this, to properly take a stand against a 180 degree contrary position to position oneself publicly by holding one's ground. There's an amazing story uh, with David and his mighty men and there was one guy who just stood his ground. He had a lentil patch and he's got, I'm going to fight for this piece of ground that I have. And I think the enemy will always try and knock us off our place of authority. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And the enemy will always come through identity, through questioning who God is, through temptation and sin and he'll try and knock us off the place that God has placed us because we are in Christ Jesus and we cannot let that happen and I love what it's the, another meaning of the word is to oppose fully it means to forcefully declare declaration of our mouths is so important it's not a passive thing we have to we have to get into the trenches and we have to declare God's word into the atmosphere um, is to uh, is to keep one's position ardently with withstand without giving up or letting go this, we are, we are in, at times, there's moments of peace and there's moments, of, and I think this is all done from a place of peace, but there's, there's moments where we have to just take our stand and when the enemy's coming, like a flood, we have to just begin to declare scriptures that Jesus comes and stands in our place. Ephesians um, 6 verse 12 to 13, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So often we can get into that zone. That's not where we operate. We operate on a spiritual level. But against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, therefore put on the whole armor of God. So when the day of evil, the amazing thing for me that day of evil is that it does pass. 
that it's not this constant like I'm trying to find there's some bushes here let's let's try find devils around all these bushes it's not that you have moments of where you can sense the enemy is coming and you have to just okay cool I'm standing my ground I'm gonna uh, whatever comes against me I'm standing my ground it says that you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything stand don't give up your position of authority in a season of opposition we can't afford not to be alert we have, it says we have to be aware of the enemy schemes that he is this roaring lion that can come around but I love what Joel said a couple of weeks ago and he just said that the enemy may have power but Jesus has authority and because we are in Christ we have authority and it's an area that I'm trying to grow in and learn about my authority in Christ that I can in places of prayer declare stuff and pull down strongholds because I'm in Christ not because of my own strength actually the Bible says we get to celebrate our weakness because when I'm weak God is even strong on our behalf. 2 Corinthians uh, 10 verse 4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. And so often we can get into uh, a business mindset and all of these things and we feel like we have to defend ourselves. We actually, God says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of, of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I've been through seasons of my life where the enemy is lying to me and I, I, you go through moments of oppression and you feel like a heaviness and a weight and you're like, you can't see your way out of it. And um, I was listening to this one psychologist and she was just saying that, actually, she's a Christian psychologist and she says, when it says you take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ, that may be for a season in your life hundreds of times a day. Is that when a, a thought that you know is not from God, you take a captive and you make it obedient to Christ. You, you name it, you call it out and say that is not obedient to Christ and you, and, you, and you bring it into line with Scripture. And I can tell you, as I started to do that in seasons of my life, it began to shift and change my mindset where I had wrong thinking. I believed the lies of the enemy, but then I began to put God's word in place of that. Another area the enemy would love to get is your peace. And, uh, and I wouldn't say that I'm kind of incredibly down the road on this it's, it's an area that I'm learning. Uh, at times I've, I've struggled with anxiety um, and it's especially in moments where it's just like, it's just tough. You feel like this anxiety inside of you, but I've had to get to moments where you, you find peace in God. And I was driving down the road the other day and I, I was just kind of meditating on, on the peace of God and Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we, we have the peace of God, the shalom peace of God is almost our inheritance under God. And uh, I realized that the enemy doesn't know peace. And that one of the greatest weapons we have is to, is to stay in a place of peace. And the way I find peace is just either meditating on God's word, worship, getting my guitar, and just worshiping before him until I find this place where there's the settled peace of God. And because the enemy doesn't know how to operate in the place of peace because it's, it's a godly quality. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken is the Hebrew word. And sometimes there may be strongholds in our lives. Uh, what that means is that we've opened a door through sin, through agreements, through stuff in our past that the, in, in a sense the enemy has, has legal rights. Even though you're saved under God and you, you're going to heaven, you've opened a door in your life that's allowing the enemy to, to somehow work through that. And that is simply broken 
clearly in the Bible through confession and repentance, bringing stuff to the light. And when it's in the light, it's almost like, you know, those uh, cartoons when the, when the witch would go into the light and she'd like melt under this because she was in the light. And it's, and it's in a sense, that's the same thing. You bring it to the light of Christ and it, and it begins to melt. One of the biggest things I've had to learn through all of this is that God does not work through guilt or manipulation. And uh, it's, it's not God's character. God works through conviction. It says in Romans 8, 1, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can settle that in our hearts. Another way, before I get there, Ephesians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's a key thing. You have to present these things, things that are causing anxiety in your life. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We have to just repeat that to ourselves. All understanding. You can, you can almost go, well, God, you don't know the situation. I mean, no, God knows. It's all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I've had moments of incredible anxiety and stress. And I'm sure most of you have had that in your workplace or whatever it is. And when I've, but I've been able to get to bed because I, I present my request before God. I lay it at His feet. I imagine that I'm giving it over to my Father in heaven, that He knows in the ins and outs of every situation. And it says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another way that I fight is, uh, is through speaking in tongues. Um, the scripture, Paul writes, says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And it's, it's a gift from God. Uh, we've had incredible testimonies. Uh, even Danae, Bruce's wife, she had a moment where God just came and gave her the gift of tongues. And it's a gift from God, it says, to strengthen ourselves. And sometimes we just need to just, and out of, sometimes I don't know what to pray. And the Bible says, well, then just pray in the spirit. And then finally is that worship is key. And that's the thing that Jesus ends off. And he says, I will worship God only. I will not bow down to you. I will not bow down to your lies, Satan. I will worship God only. And the result of all of this, and this is where I'm coming into land, in Luke 4, which it doesn't say in Matthew 4, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And can I say that the other side of deserts in our lives, the other sides of battles, the other side of resisting temptation, the other side of where the enemy tries to get in and, and bring strongholds in your life and you fought it and you stood at your ground and you stood in Christ, not in your own strength, is revival. Is Jesus coming and he's bringing life. And that's why there's, in, 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 in life there's mountains, there's, sorry, there's mountains and there's valleys. There's, there's high moments, there's low moments. And we need to realize that in the valley, God's doing so much in our heart, but he is taking us back up a mountain again. Jesus had to walk through these temptations and testings and resisting the enemy so life could come. And that's the amazing thing is that news about him spread across the whole region. In, other, in the other gospels, it says people came as far as like the Jordan and Syria. These people were coming from all around because Jesus on a spiritual level fought something and was able to bring revival and life to the area that he was in. And I want to end on this scripture. It says 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. And that's what happens over, over moments like the day of the, it says there's a day of evil. When you walk through these moments of opposition, and it could have been the six months of COVID, could have been losing a job, it could have been misunderstandings, it could have been anything. You walk through this and it says that God will restore, confirm, 
and strengthen and establish you. So I'm going to pray quickly. Father, we thank you that your word brings life, brings strength. Thank you, Jesus, that you, that you fight for us. You fight on our behalf. Such a key thing is that so often we can sit in the place of worship and prayer and knowing, Lord God, that you are fighting on our behalf. Father, we thank you that our strength comes from being in you. And thank you, Lord God, that in these moments of deserts and valleys, that you actually are bringing life, Lord God. You are, you are bringing, uh, you're growing us in you. So Father, I pray that we won't waste these times, but we'll use them for your glory and your fame. And I pray over everyone in City Lights, Lord God, those who are facing any form of opposition, and it could come in the workplace, it could come uh, from outside, from family, from whatever it is. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you just give us a strength and a resolve that can only come from you. And I just felt as I was praying now that there's some people saying, I want to quit. I want to quit on certain things. I want to quit my job. I want to quit uh, on life, maybe. Or I want to, but God says, take your stand. Stand today. And if you need to stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Begin to worship Him, praise Him, and confess His word. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. I don't know where we're going to be. It could be an oasis. It could be a desert. It could be a river. But we'll see you next week.